You're listening to Be Love Radio. Your host, Kadash. Your host, Kadash. It's pure and true. Say it. Tuning in to Be Love Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Cadest. And on today's show, we are going to talk with John Morrow on a really powerful way to bring yourself back into love, back into openness, back into presence. Before we get to that, I'm just going to take a moment to invite you to get centered in this moment, to let go of everything that may have come before this moment for you and everything that may appear to come after. And allow yourself to really be here. Collect all parts of yourself back into this right here, right now moment so that you can really receive all that there is for you to receive in this conversation. So just take a couple of deep breaths and let yourself be here in this amazing sharing. So thanks for tuning in to Be Love Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Kadest, and John Merrill's back with a profound and powerful insight to um, to share with us. So, John, how are you? Good, really good. Always great. I always love being on the show. It it it, um, it, uh, it always presences me. It always whatever I have going on in my life. It's a it's a it's like an an additional meditation for me. So I just thank thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for creating the show, and for um, you know I know. Um, I know you get to play both teacher and student probably as a, as a host and just I and as a host I really love that you're actually hosting this conversation for all the listeners and uh, and for the future listeners who have yet to discover the show. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and and it really is an honor to get to dive into all the spaces that we we tend to dive into when we do the show. So thanks for bringing what you bring <laughs> into it. Yeah. Um, so, what have you been up to since our last conversation? What what's going on? Um, well, always always diving in, diving deeper. Um, I have let's see. The last show the last show we did was more about like the habits, you know, yes. probably habits and looking at things. And again, that's been my big for the past year, really just looking at uh, you know what I'll call the egos. And looking at them and seeing all the places they've been they've been running me, right, mm-hmm. unconsciously or, or otherwise. So then bringing them to the light and examining them and looking at them and um, really creating a new relationship with with them, with me and them. Right. So I took a course um, a few weeks ago and. It was an amazing course, and it it really uh, for five days straight we just looked at all the uh, we looked at the ego. I've never looked at the ego that deeply or that like intensely before, and um, it was uh, you know what we did is essentially look at all the, the seven original sins, mm-hmm. right? And um, uh, looked at each vice um, and then just examined them. And, you know, our teacher, the teacher really sort of said that if there's the seven original sins, um, each one's sort of like an original ego, you could say. There's lust, pride, greed, anger, envy, all of those. Uh-huh. Gluttony, sloth. I might be forgetting another one in there. <clears throat> and um, that they can actually combine, like, you know, sliding, or, um, sloth and envy can get together, or greed and lust can get together. 
and they can all form these different combinations, you know, like have a, you know, as couples or as a threesome or as a foursome or a sevensome, like all, all the different combinations literally uh, compute to 84,000 egos. <laughs> so it's just like, whoa, it was yeah. really just so intense. And you can see, or what, what I saw was that mostly any thoughts I had, um, any actions I had, was somehow getting caught in, in, no matter how well intended a thought or action or deed was, was getting somehow caught in that web of web of egos, mm-hmm. and um, just was contaminated, really contaminated. So really looking through, and um, just checking in, slowing down, and becoming more present. Checking in before you actually say something. See if it actually wants to be said, or if it's or if it's a part of your you know ego that's pride or arrogance or condition that wants to that actually wants to say something to look good, to to look smart, to look. In, you know, intelligent, even look spiritual, right? Just to kind of really check in, like, what are you actually offering something, or is it, or is it an actual like call for love, mm-hmm. or is it, you know, what, 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 what are you saying? What are you really saying? What are you really doing? Right. So, looking, looking, always looking deeper. Mm. And um, <clears throat> so through the course, we had a couple of, uh, you, know, um, you know, lengthy meditations, and um, <clears throat> I had two, two insights. You know, around them, two sort of main insights, and you know, one was this. You know, some people I think go into meditations with a with a mantra, and there's some you know trans you know transcendental meditation I know teaches with a mantra, and you usually yeah. your the teacher gives the student a mantra, and right. the student takes that mantra for their whole life actually, and, and goes into meditation with them. Yeah. And I've I've tried that way, and it's never never really worked as well for me as, before, as possible meditation or I tried to focus on my breath and mm-hmm. that's never really ever, you know, worked as powerfully as otherwise. Um, so usually what happens for me with meditation is I like, I actually like guided meditations, whether it's a, whether it's a, um, uh, you know, a recorded, a recorded um, exercise or like, you know, given instructions to kind of follow this. There's just something about that for whatever reason works, works for me. Mm-hmm. And usually within that, through that process, I will be given a meditation, you know, or a mantra. I mean, not a, not a meditation. Um, I will yeah. be given a mantra, you know. And usually a mantra isn't necessarily in Sanskrit. It's more like a phrase or a saying mm-hmm. or, here, work, work with this for a while. Yeah. And the one that I got um, during my course that was really profound, and I'm still, I'm still integrating it, was, it doesn't matter. So I got this, this mantra, it doesn't matter. And I watched my mind literally frantically try to figure that out. Like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? And I was like, <laughs> trying to, like asking myself, like, okay, am I going to be, uh, you know, I, I'm personally in a, in a place of transition around my career. You know, am I going to be an artist? Am I going to be a designer? Am I going to be a filmmaker? Am I going right. to be, uh, you know, uh, a philosopher, or a workshop teacher, right? And then the message kept coming back, it doesn't matter. And I said, hmm. like, well, what do you mean it doesn't, what, what do you mean it doesn't matter? And they kept on showing me, like, you know, and I, I would ask again, like, okay, well, Okay, um, you know, am I gonna am I gonna marry my current partner? Am I gonna end up with someone else? You know, am I gonna be a father? And I was like, it doesn't matter, right? And I just saw that for everything, my mind was just trying to figure something out, like mm-hmm. figure the mystery out. And what kept coming back was, it doesn't matter. And the message underneath that was, nothing matters. It doesn't matter. Like all that matters is, are you gonna merge with God or not? Are you gonna merge with oneness or not? Are you gonna merge with love or not? And that's really the only that's really the only question. You know, it doesn't matter if you're going to have am I going to have the chicken for dinner or am I going to have the the vegetable souffle? It doesn't matter. 
because you're not having any of those things if you're not being fully present and fully being here. And that's all that's being asked of us in any moment is is, is to be to merge with, with what is so, to merge with the oneness and actually be fully present here and now. Mm. And then beyond that, as I kept on, like, my mind kept on trying to find, like, a loophole or, like, a, a chink, chink in the armor if it doesn't yeah. matter. What was also shown to me was, like, it doesn't matter, matter as in, you know, materialize, matter as in something, you know, materializing in this world. So it's, whether that's love or God or, or, or oneness, doesn't actually, like, so we'll just say it's love, right? We'll say love doesn't matter as in, so my love for my for my mother or my girlfriend, you know, they're not, they're not love, right? My love for this planet, like, that something here isn't actual love. Love is a presence. Love is something beyond. Mm. It's, a, it's an experience. It's not actually something, anything material. So my, if I'm placing my love onto an object, onto something material, that's actually not love. And it's actually keeping me grounded in this experience, keeping me attached to this world, right? And uh, it was just a phenomenal insight. You know, really the Buddhists um, uh, and in Tibetan say, you know, there's a, there's a great book called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Mm-hmm. And their practice really is to die before you, you die. Right. Really to die of this world and then you're actually free. You know, because the more we are attached to this world and its things, the more we associate ourselves as a material thing versus a spiritual being. So it was just a profound, profound insight. And then even beyond all that, it doesn't matter. You know, it just kept on showing the, the depth of it, of the, the mantra, it doesn't matter, was it doesn't even matter if I believe this. It doesn't matter if you don't believe this because we're all already love anyways. Love is a constant underneath all things, and we're all being asked and all will eventually uh, return home. To it, so you know, go ahead and not believe it. Go ahead and run rampant. Go ahead and disbelieve it. Go ahead and have global warming. Eventually, all souls and all knowingnesses will return to that, you know, at some point. Absolutely. And, and that's and that's where I stand um, firmly in, like a, um, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about a a big giant mass awakening, you know, like a but it's 2012, <laughs> yeah, 2012 or or whatever that is. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> I. I, I, you know, that may, whatever, whatever may or may happen, you know, whatever happens in 2012 will happen in 2012. And I, you know, the one thing I know is that there are absolutely zero facts about the future. Like, that's the only fact about the future is that there's no facts about the future. So, no, you know, no one can tell what's going on or what's going to happen in 2012. And I get that there's been Hopi prophecies and Mayan prophecies and all sorts of um, Mayan calendars and all of that. Um, but, but really what I believe is that, um, you know, that, yeah, that we'll, we'll, it's much more, it's more going to look like a much longer, much more eternal coming back, you know, rather than a quickly like happening in a, in a matter of like a year or like certainly one, one specific day. And I think that we should, you know, as, as spiritual, uh, beings and as seekers and as people continuing to, um, you know, continue to do the inner work and look within. As long as we're placing our awakening in something outside of ourselves, I, I believe that's not it. You know, it's the same thing of, so we really, I, I don't know what, what shift's going to happen. It might even be like a collective internal shift, but still, I don't think we're going to be in some like awakened limbo, you know, at that moment. <laughs> so it's going to be like, okay, well now what? You know, and I think there's, there's a, there's, there's something that we can all look for and take responsibility for that, 
you know, if, if a lot of people are banking on this December, what, 21st, 2012 yeah. thing, and it doesn't happen, like, there can be this big, giant collective letdown, you know? And, like, all the people are like, <laughs> right. oh, what, 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 what now? Right? right, what now? And I think always what the question for what now is, are you going to be love or not? That's it. You know? Are you going to be love or not? Are you going to merge with oneness or not? You know? And, you know, again, it doesn't matter if you don't or not. It's just that's the question. That's the question. That's right. the question. That's so... So that was a huge insight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And again, I've been applying that for anything. Anytime I see myself getting worried or questioning or wondering, I just come back to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Can, you, can I just be right here? Can I be? Can I live in the question? Can I live in the not knowing? Can I live in the whatever is what, right in front of me right now? Can I be and, present here and now during this interview? Right. And and my question to that is, and there's, there's so many um, different things that have come up as you've sort of experienced the way that insight sort of you know, spontaneously arose in your own awareness. Um, the question is, is what do you notice shifts when you disengage from the sort of questioning, the day-to-day questioning, and return yourself back to just fully being aware of this moment, of this space, of this now? What shifts? Yeah, certainly um, a... Or is uh, there a shift? Yeah, yeah, I would say a, certainly a sense of calmness, a certain peace. A, a less less anxiety, less I need to get something done, I need to, less time seems to, um, I have a whole new, I have a whole new experience of time, I will say that, I'm not, I'm not run by uh, needing to in order to or getting lost in like deadlines or franticness or the, or the nine to five, really all that's being asked of me is this moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, you know, strength of, you know, it's a whole string of of moments and and possible opportunities to to merge and mostly I see like oh man wow okay for the past half an hour hour where was I right and then just getting back on track getting back on track getting back on track so it's a it's actually instead of trying to get somewhere which I think I I've been living and a lot of people are living mm-hmm. it's more I'm trying to remember just to be here just to be here so it's a it's a recalling and a remembrance versus a frantic like search or grasping for something out out there in the future. Right, yeah. right, and that's that. That is, we we've talked about presence before. We we sort of defined what we mean by you know being love before, and it. That's what you're saying when you say you know are you being love? Is are you returning to that state of presence? Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's a. Um, you know, I believe whether it's the soul or you know, the, you know it's the scientists want to say there's like there's a you know there's a, there's a cluster of cell like the heart math there's, there's a cluster of cells within our heart that's that's sort of starts life you know starts our life whatever that sort of that pure consciousness is you know Matthew Engelhart describes love as the consciousness of all um, inclusiveness so basically including everything. Right, the consciousness of that. So whatever, yeah, whatever state of being, whatever consciousness, whatever uh, awareness that it would take to um, hold all that or merge with all of that, um, that's what I sort of, that's what I reference, you know, in being love. And of course, it's sort of uh, words. Words don't do anything, you know. I throw words out there, and they seem to get, they they rightfully get lost in the vortex of, <laughs> of, that, of that magnitude. So. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. That that original, that original place where our thoughts and our minds and our separateness don't clout the space. Right. 
it's so, just a, it's a knowingness, like a knowingness, but not a mental knowingness, like a, a beyond mental knowingness. Like sometimes people know that, oh, I know water is wet, right? But that's still something, it's a different it's kind of... It's still conceptual. Knowledge. It's still, exactly. yeah. Um, so the next question I guess I, I'd love to have you answer is, you know, we have a tendency to think that what gets things done in our life is that constant questioning. Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Is this what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, we think that that's what makes things happen. Mm-hmm. Do things stop happening because you return yourself to that state of ease? No, I mean, not, not at all. And for me, again, what I'm doing is just slowing down, right? I think this, this world is getting incredibly sped up. I've certainly noticed that, whether it's technology or... Um, yeah, mostly technology and industry and inventions. Um, it's incredibly speeding up. And for me, I'm just looking at slowing down, going within, asking those questions, seeing what emerges, seeing what wants to you know, well up or fountain up or bubble up, and then take action from there, rather than have to quickly, frantically... Um, in like reaction to the the frantic world out there, make make a choice. Mm-hmm. So I can actually, I can actually be stillness. You know, it's like the there's a, I've seen a couple I've seen this done in movies a couple times. I know like the one that comes to mind is that movie uh, Requiem for a Dream, where there's a woman walking. She's walking incredibly slowly. I think she's on like she's on a drug or a prescription drug or something, and the world around her is blurring around like incredibly fast. And um, that's what we can do. We can actually go within, be still within, and like let the world time lapse around us as it wants to, and then meet, meet it with, with whatever we discover within ourselves. Mm, powerful. It, it brings uh, one of my favorite quotes to mind. Um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi has this really powerful quote that says, the state of least excitation in consciousness is the field of infinite possibilities. So that it's when we are still, when we are centered when we're present that we access deeper knowledge or, you know, higher ideas or, or we access the energy of the solutions that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that that's where this mantra is bringing you back into this deeper state of being that lets you access more. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, well, it accesses more simply because Normally, you would think, oh, the only options I have are those of which I can see either directly in front of me or, um, yeah, like in the, in the, you know, yeah, exactly, in my external world. And this actually gives you, well, there's other options if you go within, too. It's not just limited to those things outside of ourselves. And most often, we go for answers. I can't see what I have to do because, you know, these are the, these are the circumstances I have, right? Like, I only this have this it. much... <laughs> right. I only have this much money in my bank account. Right. My, you know, you know, I don't have anybody who can help me. There's no one else who has a car here. Right. This, whatever we sort of do, we we get limited by our circumstances, and um, it's just limited. It's limited, and you know, infinite. I think, um, you know, is 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 seeing things that we can't. You know, is basically humbling ourselves to a place of I don't know. Right. I don't know. And uh, that was that was another thing I really got out of the course was I just got humbled to a whole new level, like really, really humbled, and saw that um, as much spiritual knowledge and quotes and quotations that I've been sort of accumulating over the years, that that can actually even build a, a sense of arrogance. Like I can kind of reference those right here, and like wow, like I've been I've been thinking I knew how the world worked, 
or like or I've been thinking I've got some tools to actually successfully take it on. And while I think I do, I still it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket in comparison to um, all that I don't know. So just really a big another big mantra is just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because as soon as I want to know. It, it really, it, it, again, it fixates things. It actually creates, um, you know, it cements something, uh, whether it's a thought or an idea or, or something in this world. And um, I really believe the universe is a living system. It's a living knowledge, constantly updating itself and changing. You know, and that's, that's, we as humans you know, are privileged to get to discover that. And I think our arrogance comes in when we think we can actually like cement it. Like, why would we want to? Why would we want to like make the universe or the Milky Way or anything like? Why would we want to like pour that into cement? But we do that. We do that all the time, yep. right? We, do that, <laughs> we pour cement over <laughs> nature all the time, yeah. And create buildings and sidewalks and streets and skyscrapers. So it's just this. Um, uh, it's the interesting duality that I think we're, we're waking up to. Like, what you know? What? What? Why were we really doing this? You know? Why were we really doing this? So, um, again. I I always love looking deeper and deeper in, and there's just so many levels of strata, and you know there's some guck and unpleasant things in there too, and then there's some beautiful things, and it's just a a never-ending journey. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a constant, it's a constant, it's a it's a journey of constant self-discovery because you know we do that with our usually the people we're closest to. We really cement them as being a certain way. Like, oh, I know how Joe is. Yeah, he seems like this, you know. <laughs> Yes, he's really reliable, but like, man, is he like, you know, he's got that, you know, nervous tick or the way he chooses food. Like, we just cement people in knowing how they are, and we stop discovering them, you know, and we stop actually making them infinite beings, right? And it's it's sad. It's like burying them alive in a lot of ways. So, um, so yeah, so we do that with the world, we do it with each other, and I think all we can do is um, realize that we're doing that and like, you know, ask for forgiveness from ourselves and for others, right? Apologize, clean it up, give thanks that we notice, say I love you, restore, and keep going. Mm. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Um, so another thing that occurred to me, I guess, when you when you were talking about it, it doesn't matter that just like I don't know, it seems like you're bringing your mind into a state of surrender, that you're um, sort of chopping off all of the different directions your mind is trying to go and and really just dissolving that into this moment. So my question would be if you notice that, you know, over the the time that you've been practicing this, if, if that tendency for your mind to get frantic with, with that ma- mantra has changed, if and if it has, what's it like now than how it was when you first sort of initially... With the I don't know, or with the it doesn't matter. With the it doesn't matter, we could or both. We could do both. <laughs> um, I think for the it doesn't matter. It just it, it 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 just it it's beautiful because it keeps revealing itself. It keeps getting deeper. It keeps getting deeper, and it's usually right on. Like it's usually spot on because usually any time that I'm caught in my monkey mind, frantic mind, it's usually something in the material world. Right, so like it doesn't matter. Like it calls me. Okay, okay, it calls me back into a deep remembrance. So it hasn't lost its luster at all yet, you know. And I'm not. I can see though if I think it's going to last forever, then I'm doing exactly what you know. Then I am sort of materializing. So I am just lightly holding it and um, really 
you know, entertaining it as a viewpoint rather than holding it as a belief. Right. You know, as like a cemented belief. So for now, it's still wonderfully working. Okay. You know, and I think I think um, um, you know, I think along the same lines, we're either seeing people or seeing our own potential or seeing the world's potential. You know, we can take a lot of responsibility for um, what we thought was like the furthest horizons of what was possible for us, what we thought we could, you know, our biggest dreams. If we ever had a dream come true, we thought, wow, like maybe one day I'll get to this. And then once it comes true, we realize what was once a horizon is now like standing at our feet, right? right? It's now our foreground. Yeah. And, oh, wow, there's a new horizon, right? And just constantly remembering that, constantly remembering that we're always standing in our center, which is both like, which is the infinite possibilities and exactly like here right now. Mm-hmm. So just wonderful, wonderful marriage and divine divine union of, of seeming opposites. <laughs> ah, perfection. Um, another thing that you touched upon, and I would love for, for you to sort of take us deeper into that, is this idea of cementing everything around us and and this is true in our in our day to day interaction, you know, right now as we're interacting. I have all these ideas of who John is. So am I talking to those ideas or am I present <laughs> to the beingness that's that's here right now, which has no right, like which doesn't yeah. necessarily have to have the boundaries that I've made up. So can you talk a little about how how we do that just so we sort of expand our awareness of? Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's great. I really, so a good friend of mine who I hope you one day interview, and I'll give you her, um, I believe I've given you her information before, but I'll make sure I do it again. Her name is Irene Suprake. She's actually expecting her first grandchild any day now, or maybe it happened over the weekend. I haven't spoke to her. Uh, but she has this philosophy called yes and, and, you know, she just lives firmly by that, like yes and, yes and. So I would say yes and to this. Yes, all those things you know of me are true. And if you're not constantly... Um, rediscovering me or going deeper, then that's when the cement sort of happens. So really it's like considering that, so it's to consider that any revolutionary acts, whether that's in politics or science or um, even relationships, any revolutionary act is simply just to see something new that wasn't seen before, right? To see something anew, right? That's where breakthroughs in science, that's where breakthroughs in, 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 in politics or any, any governmental, you know, organizations happen is to be willing to say, oh, wow, it can be otherwise, or look, at, I see I see this in a new way, and we get to be revolutionaries in all of our relationships, to not let ourselves fall asleep. It's a constant, I, mean, I refuse to have you any certain way, just to constantly discover and rediscover and see deeper someone, and to be also willing to um, give up any expectations of them, you know, like, I could... You know, you have me a certain way now, but, like, you could try to get a hold of me for five, six months, and I might not be available. You're like, what is up with John? Like, I thought he was totally, like, you know, at least semi-reliable, right? And then you have this whole new viewpoint of me, right? Right. So that's the thing. That's that's the living system, right? Like, literally be willing to um, be with whatever is in the moments, right? Like, you have a particular viewpoint of me, and that could certainly, and what you want to take responsibility for is that has been largely constructed by your expectations, Okay, I've got some evidence that John's a great guy. I've had six or seven interviews with him, and they've all gone pleasant, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of know how this is going to go, right? Yeah. Until the one time where I don't show up as that, and then you're like, wait a second. Right? <laughs> and then you start mounting evidence for otherwise. Right. 
So we just have to take complete responsibility for we're creating it all. We're, we are cementing things, either good or bad, all the time. We're building people um, through our own experience. And we don't give them, usually, the freedom to change or be, be infinite beings. You know, like, we actually want to create order and say, oh, I, I know how you are, because it allows our lives, you know, otherwise, life would be a, just a giant amoeba of ever, you know, always in flux. <laughs> Which I think that, the, 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 again, the irony is, if you were to show, if you were to show life, you know, at a time lapse, it is, but it's sort of slowed down to us enough where it's actually um, digestible. You know, I was just, I was looking at, I'm from Vermont originally, and ironically, Vermont got hit pretty hard by Hurricane Irene. It's right. like the only, it's the only landlocked New England state, and it actually got, like, hit really, really hard. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, <clears throat> all its rivers, whether it was, like, these little tiny brooks or creeks, became, like, raging, like, waterfronts, raging, raging rivers. And you see these, like, national historic covered bridges that have been there for, like, hundreds of years just get taken out. Wow. And you're like, wow, that's, like, so sad. And what you thought was once, like, oh, this is never going to change, suddenly in an instant is gone. Right. And the whole new landscape changes. Right. So, um, <clears throat> and that can happen, you know, in a moment's notice. And usually it's, uh, usually it's us that has the suffering because we want it, we made it fixed. Right. We, we had fixated it in our minds. So... That's what there is to really take responsibility for is we create fixation and that's perfectly normal. Um, so we can hold that as like a yes, okay, this is what we do. And can we be open to constant change, right? To the flow, so, right. Because, I mean, our bodies, even even on a scientific level, I think our bodies are, you know, rebuilding and, you know, new red blood cells and all new cells like constantly, you know, like yeah. all the time. And I know that at least every seven years, you're a complete new person, but I think even like quicker than that, there's like red blood cells like dying and birthing, and you know all 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 that happening within us. Yeah. And we're not we're not necessarily aware to that, but it's still happening. And yeah, even at the particle level, we're supposedly blinking in and out of existence, <laughs> but we're not aware of that. <laughs> totally not aware of it. Exactly. We'd all be a little crazy if we were aware of that. Yeah. Um, so I think what we do is we we put ourselves. Um, and we put others in these in these walls that we build, right, unknowingly. So they, they literally, both out of, like, unconsciousness and, you know, and reality are, like, invisible, right? So we, we, we put people in these walls that are actually, you know, invisible to them and to us because sometimes they're unconscious. And they're not, they're not actual walls you can see. So they're almost like glass walls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we think that, you know, but while we're in the walls, we're actually imprisoning ourselves and others, you know, and we, but we have this, like, autonomous sense that we're free, right? So what we have to kind of do is realize, wow, actually, I've been putting myself and others in these mind, man-mind-constructed walls. Mm-hmm. But once we're aware of those, that's when we can actually escape, you know? And that's what, you know, and I think, you know, there's, there's simple tools we can do through escaping, which I think apology is one of them, you know, just apologizing for others for putting them in the walls, you know, for, for putting people in... I've, you know, I had there's a there's a there's a person in my life that I just literally the other day went and apologized to because I really had it that she was just pigeonholing people like literally doing exactly what we're talking about like basically putting people like they are like this and I could see that I actually was pigeonholing her as someone who was pigeonholing right so 
And I just went and cleaned it up. And, you know, whether or not she changes, it's given me the freedom of, like, I can see her new again. You know, I can see her as an infinite being. But I, I took responsibility for, um, you know, creating her as anything other, you know, creating her as a certain way. Right. So, and, I, and I'm not committed to that. So That's perfect. Yeah. And, and just to summarize, and it, I think it's a very insightful pointer, is whatever ideas we hold about others, also imprison us is basically yeah. what you're saying that those projections those invisible walls we sort of stuff people into is also limiting our own being because that's all we're allowing ourselves to experience yeah it's, it's probably you know akin to knowing you know they say that everyone's just a reflection of you so I'm assuming the walls that you put up around them are saying, okay, that's actually not me. I'm going to keep them separate. They are them, right? And I don't want to have to look at that as, as a reflection of me. You know, so like, you know, the, the, you hear that what you most resent about someone else is what you most resent about yourself. So yeah. really swallowing that bitter pill, so to say, and taking, and taking that medicine. You know, back in the, back in the, way back in the day, you know, people would take their bitters Right, and bitters were actually medicinal, and a lot of actual like things such as carrots um, and lettuces used to be actually really, really bitter. But through like you know irrigation and and you know sort of you know man-made Darwinism, we've kind of selected naturally, unnaturally selected like the sweetest carrots and the sweetest lettuces, and they're no longer like herbs or bitters anymore. But bitters are actually like incredibly medicinal. But we don't want to think that when we have like a bitter taste in our mouth or a bitter taste in our mind, <clears throat> we can really use that as a, a beacon or an awareness like, oh, wow, okay, there's some, there's some medicine in here. And it might be bitter to go down, but ultimately it's going to be healing. Mm. So that's just a great metaphor for if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're sensing any, anything other than love in the space between you and another, that is, should be a warning sign, like a red flag, an alarm going off for like, you're off the mark somewhere. You are you are literally not being loved right now. So like, take a moment, check in and see what's really there. You know, what about this person is triggering you? What, what, what is that? And that's what there is to, to look at and, and ultimately heal, take responsibility for, apologize, all of that. And, and it's so funny, as soon as you were saying that, that it doesn't matter came up because whatever you're making up about that person doesn't matter because you're taking yourself out of that awareness of oneness by making those things up. Exactly, which completely segues into my other insight that I had during the meditation, which was how dare you ego? <laughs> That's what I had. Was, how dare you ego? So in this in this teacher's philosophy, and it's one that I've adapted, um, it, it's... Um, <clears throat> that the ego is actually a man-made virus. You can kind of like follow that. So the interesting thing is it really goes into like Gnostic teachings and we can do another, we can do another, um, you know, talk on that. I am still like, I feel like I'm in preschool around Gnostic teachings. Okay. Um, but I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying um, loving them. So I don't, I don't know if I can necessarily share I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing as a as someone who feels comfortable with the knowledge. I'm still in it, but I can share like, wow, this this resonates with me or this. Okay. Night. So, so in this teaching, the ego is actually it's a separate it's a separate man-made virus, right? Like sort of separate from God, if you if you will, right? And that's like, how can I? And my mind goes to how can there be something separate from God? And that's where I'm still. I I don't know, right? Just humbled into the I don't know. So okay. if you can at least and 
So so with, with that though, you can be like, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter why it's separate from God. Like, <laughs> Because if you try to figure that out, it's a lot like the snake eating its tail. Like, well, what is the ego then, right? Like, is it? Like you, it's just you just go yeah. in this crazy loop of separation. Mm. So I did get that. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why it is or what it is. Just consider the ego is the ego, right? And for whatever, like how it got there, if it's man-made or not, it doesn't matter. It's there. So, but in this in this in this thought, it's a it's a separate. It's a man-made virus, and um. I just got like, wow, I really saw my, in the meditation, like, I had a little bit of like a a moment of uh, my inner Christ consciousness. I had like a little glimpse of like, wow, this is this is me in a complete, in a complete knowingness of who I am, right, in my connection to source and connection to spirit. And um, I, I was just like, how dare you, ego, like, how dare you make me forget this, right? How dare you put anything between myself and this remembrance how dare you put anything between me and my friends me and my fellow you know humankind me and my fellow planet me and my fellow knowingness right how dare you ego make make my friends forget who they are like remember their divine remembrance like how dare you right Mm -hmm. and you know i could see that um even that was like you know there's a little bit there's some anger in there so i just would breathe you know sort of sublimate the breathing just Breathe that in, and you know, the, and I saw anger come up. And so, what we're doing is we were studying the the vices, right? And anger is a vice, and then the corresponding virtues. So, the corresponding virtue to anger is patience. So, I would just sort of see like anger come up, and be like, okay, patience. Just be patient with this. Be patient with this. Be patient with this. So, patience has been a big a big virtue of mine. And, and all of them, looking humility, right? Humility has been a, is is the is the corresponding to to arrogance. Um, Temperance is the corresponding to wait. Temperance, yeah. Temperance is the corresponding to to gluttony. You know, anytime I'm seeing, I'm like indulging in talking too much. Where I'm kind of like, how can I actually say the least amount as possible? Or if I'm, um, I've been trying not to eat, you know, after 9 p.m. You know, and just or just to eat when I just because there's food around. You know, I live in Cafe Graduate Community. There's always amazing food. Around. <laughs> Oh, right. and it's always like good for you food. You yeah, know, it's not like junk food, so I can totally get by. It's, it's not food you feel bad about. Yeah, right. But still, like you know, <laughs> eating just to eat and be like, okay, how can I can I be can I be temperate about that? So, um, yeah, really looking at what is there is there a, is there an, is there an ego is there a vice around this and really then practicing the corresponding virtue wherever possible. It's been it's been such a so it's been so rewarding. It's mm. been so rewarding. It's been really aligning um, my life to what feels like a divine path or what feels like what I, how I really want to be walking. You know, I could have been talking that talk for a while. I was like, wow, was I, there was, I, I've just been seeing how much unconsciousness there was even in what I thought was my most conscious speech. Mm. So, again, to every to every deep, there's always deeper. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, like one of the the questions that that I ask myself, and I, I don't have an answer, and um, that I'd love to pose to you is is why do you think we make up, or why do you think we create, or project, or put between us and whatever's in, in front of us? Why why do we create all these walls? Why do you think it's okay? So here's how I would answer it. Okay. okay. So again, consider that the ego is, whether it's not separate or not, like whether it's a man-made virus or not, consider you have an ego, mm-hmm. and that our egos have actually 
you know, so, so, so let's consider that it is a man-made virus, okay? So it's actually like we're its actual host organisms, right? Like this, so being a human is actually, we're like its host organisms. And so in order to survive, it needs to find separation. It needs to think it's separate from oneness, from love, from God, right? So we're not actually putting the separation between us. It is. It's saying that's separate from you. You know, oneness is because oneness is the is the death march to the ego, mm-hmm. right? So you're not actually doing that. It's actually doing that. that's the unconsciousness. So um, that's where I was like, how dare you, ego? Like, how dare you put anything between us? But that's but it's what it's doing. I can have such compassion for it. It's it's like a parasite. You know, it's like a parasite that is just feeding off separation. You know, and we create separation all the time through our unconsciousness. So how we can fight that is becoming more and more and more conscious, more and more aware. And I truly believe that once you're more aware, that we actually will be in more alignment with the virtues, you know, with a more virtuous life. So um, just like there's a, I don't know if you've heard of like an alkaline diet. An alkaline diet is a, a certain diet. You know, alkaline is a term that you know probably most people have heard around batteries, mm-hmm. um, but it refers to in in, in our bodies uh, like a blood like a blood type, like how 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 alkaline your blood is. And there's a perfect balance. I think it's seven point six three or seven point five eight, something something around that. There's a perfect like blood pH, and anything that's like um, more than that, I believe, is acidic. Anything less than that is basic, like, you know, acid mm-hmm. and base. Oh, I remember that from, like, I think high school chemistry or something. Exactly. <laughs> so your blood has the exact same things, you know, and, again, I'm not a nutritionist. I know the basic the basic theories around it. Mm-hmm. And it might that actually might be reversed. It might be anything less, you know, is basic or anything more is, is acidic or, or less is acidic, more is basic. I forget exactly how it, how it goes. Regardless, um, I was thinking, okay, so if alkaline is the is the – is the yeah, so so here's the interesting enough. This is there's a great movie called uh, A Beautiful Truth mm-hmm. about this, a phenomenal movie. But what people have found is that actually cancer and viruses and bacteria cannot live actually cannot live in an alkaline environment. It's actually such a perfect pristine um, internal environment that actually cancers and things cannot live there. They, it's like they just cannot exist. And you know they they exist off of illness and like you know like. Um, bacteria exists up like sugars and yeasts and all sorts of things. And Chim- cancer just cannot cannot literally live there. Mm. So there's a great movie called called um, Beautiful Truth, and that's all, this is a whole another separate conversation. I don't want to go down <laughs> this tunnel, but there's been a lot of research found on this. You know? Okay, and you, and you can really do a Beautiful Truth is a, is a great documentary to start out on. Um, that really, you know, the solution to cancer a lot is 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 in diet. Um. And, um, you know, and, and other things, too. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, again, I don't want to be a spokesperson or, or be claiming to know anything, but I think there's, a, there's just a lot of other evidence that says um, that's uh, informational and all, and all coming back to, to holistic health. So I was thinking if alkaline diet is a place where the cancer of the body can't exist, we should really have like an angeline diet for for the ego, like really becoming angels, like becoming angels and like walking as virtuously as possible, and so the ego literally can't exist there anymore. It just mm. won't. It won't actually be able to to exist. And I think that's like there's the great Bible tale of Jacob wrestling with the angel. You know, like it's like can we actually 
or you know you have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other right like can that's the sort of constant battle mm-hmm. we're always sort of fighting can we actually form um an environment where the ego just literally either knows it's so loved or just it just won't be listened to that voice is no longer we starve it. Mm. we live it like you'd starve a parasite too like an internal parasite can you starve that egoic thought pattern virus so it no longer exists within us so what i find super interesting and, and i'd love to hear what your experience of it is also is if i'm anchored in the moment mm-hmm. if i'm um at work i do uh i do i like i set up shelves and stuff like that and if 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 i'm present there's no chatter there's no separation there's no anything if someone comes to talk to me there's just an exchange without projecting anything between us so it's only when i'm not in that full awareness that there's all this stuff that comes up <laughs> that all of that this person's this and this is happening here like all of that is given room mm-hmm. how do you experience yeah, I think it's, um, again, I think that's why, you know, I know a lot of people who actually avoid relationships because being in them is sort of like kind of being in an isolation chamber with your ego. You know, you just sort of, <laughs> you literally see your projections all the time. You know, you put them all over the, the person that you're trying to be in this relationship with. You know, and initially, again, this goes back to the cementing thing. Initially, that person is like divine and angelic and they can do no wrong. Right? There's nothing even... The smallest little details of them are divine, are so perfect, right? It's because we're putting our attention on them. We're actually putting our attention on love and how they are perfect. Mm-hmm. And then slowly over time, something creeps in, our own <laughs> starts to come out, project, and we get our projections all over them. And it's disgusting. That's like, how dare you ego, right? We literally, they were just once an angel, and now like you just, you just can't stand it all over yourself. <laughs> all over them. And you fast forward, you know. Five months, five years, and you you know breakup happens, and you don't even want to go to the same you know grocery store that they go to, right? You know, like, and it's and like literally we're the ones creating both experiences. We created them as because we put our attention on all the divine qualities of them, and then slowly but surely the ego crept in, and then we put all these we layered, yeah, yeah, we put the attention on the things that annoy us, right? And meanwhile, we're not even taking responsibility for like. You know, like, you know, meanwhile, their mother or their best friends are still thinking they're great. It's our stuff that's getting all over them, right? Mm-hmm. So we do that all the time. So um, I think, you know, the whole minding your mind really is a constant awareness. And what's so easy is this is an incredible world of distraction. I really believe that that the outside world um, is just the ego's playground. It's so filled with distraction, like, you know, you go anywhere, like, you know, Times Square, New York, or anywhere else outside, and you're just constantly distracted by this outer world. And, and the, you know, once you're distracted, what you're distracted from, actually, I would say, is from being loved or being present or being, you know, at oneness with God, the universe, love, whatever, you, whatever your word for that is. Mm. So, really, this world is, you know, why they call it, like, the devil's playground, <laughs> It literally is. It's running around, and we kind of get stuck. Like, wow, well, it's so filled with distraction. Left, left, right, left, and right. And but also, for someone on the warrior's path, from on the spiritual path, it can also be like the spiritual obstacle course. Can I stay present in this? Then I can yeah. I stay present in this? Can I stay present in this? And all the great masters have transcended that. They have transcended that in some way. Um, 
of not getting caught in distraction, not getting caught through any of the egos, whether it's lust or greed or pride or arrogance, they just stay true and center. And it's ridiculously difficult, which is why there's been so few, like, you know, quote-unquote masters or, you know, Buddha, Christ, or other people who have, who have literally transcended uh, their body and mind. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can be done, and, um, you know, that's just the path that I'm choosing, because for me, although that's incredibly difficult work to try to achieve, you know, enlightenment or achieve, um, you know, being love in every every moment, um, it feels like, much more difficult work to just have to deal with the yeah. consequences. <laughs> yeah, deal with the consequences of getting caught up in, you know, getting caught up in the, you know, the samsara world. Yeah. So, yeah. I totally agree, I find. Um, because, it like, you have this, and I think for anyone who's ever meditated or who practices being present or mindfulness or whatever you're either in this state of complete ease and complete let go or you're in that state of contraction and tension. And it mm-hmm. takes a lot of energy to remain tense and contracted and like it's it's exhausting mentally, physically, emotionally because you're in knots. So I think once you've sort of begun your constant continual integration into being present, if you can't not not do it yeah. You can't. It's it, you won't you you won't like it. <laughs> yeah, I like to say my my soul's my my soul rolls its eyes at me. You know, whenever I whenever I go back to something that it that that I know is distracting. <laughs> and I also saw I saw a great kind of like what you were just saying. I saw a great bumper sticker one time that said, "Be present, not tense." And I right. just like I love that so much. So that was great. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Um, well, I guess for listeners tuning in, you know, where can they begin to? Is do you, you know do you sort of pay attention to yourself every day in every situation, whether it's your relationship, your work, um, your health, and and in apply that mantra? Do you have a sort of a process that you go through with the it doesn't matter? Um, that they can begin to sort of engage with their own patterns with. Um, well, yeah. See again. See where see where it fits for them. See if it see if um, if that resonates with them is what I would say. You know, beyond that, for me, um, you know, there's this great great sage quote that says, um, "Everything of importance is 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 already known." You know, the only thing to do is rediscover it. So, all those consider all those things are already known. There's a constant, there's a world in there. There's in your heart or whatever. It's already known. We just forget. So we have to remember to remember. And that, for me, is what any mantra would actually be helpful for. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't. It doesn't matter. It really works for me. But I don't want to necessarily say like, here, try this, because it may not be personal to you. You might have your own personal mantra. So. Whatever you can take to remember to remember, you know, that might be a million different post-it notes, you know, all over your apartment or your house, right? It might be a picture of, you know, a hero of yours or your mother or something or, or some role model. I don't want to necessarily, like, give any, you know, if, if it doesn't matter, works for you, great, take that and run with it, you know. But I think it was such a personal insight of mine that that's why it really speaks to me. And 
What I will say, though, is meditation or sitting in quiet actually allows you to fill the mind for your own insights to, to come. I think there's, I think the outside world and our minds normally are so, it's so loud in there that, you know, to actually consciously take some time to be quiet and listen to what your heart wants to say, you know, and then be like, oh, wow, okay, and, and see what's there. It's always fascinating, and I think that's exactly what you need to hear in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, like I said, it doesn't matter. Really, works for me now, but it might not in uh, a week. It might not in a month. Right. It might not work in ten, ten days. So, um, we'll see. So, okay. that's my my biggest advice to, to the viewers or sorry, listeners. <laughs> listeners, we're not quite we're not quite on the. <laughs> we love we love TV is on the way, but you know, we're starting radio first. <laughs> um, the listeners would be take some time to slow down and be still. Uh, being in nature really helps me. And just listen, you know, and there's going to be a lot of shadow. It's going to be, it's like a lot of, it's like, I heard I heard a great quote. It's like, um, you know, meditating for the first time or if you have it in a while. It's a lot like going to an old cabin in the woods and turning on the faucet. Like, you haven't been there in a while. It might actually be like rusty water coming out at first. Like, oh, that's the shadow. That's the, the yucky stuff. But if you keep the water, you know, water running, after a while it'll be clean and, and cleared up again. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, when we started this conversation, it it really instantly took me to that question of what are you committing to in this moment? Mm-hmm. What are you committing your awareness to right now? Is it being love or <laughs> or is it, you know, whatever mental story you have spinning in your head? And And it really shifted at least my attention back to to that commitment and, and that's what I hope listeners will will get in into it as well as you know, what are you making important in your experience is it being love or is it whatever your mind is making up yeah and you know not to not to make things well i guess i guess i'll say to make things black and white <laughs> i'll say really it's either everything's either love or not love it really is that simple right um, love, like the path of love is not a path of, you know, partiality, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that, um, you know, I really, I use God as a metaphor, I use love as a metaphor, I use the universe as a metaphor, but, you know, I know some people who have a religious skew or or have like a religious trigger might <laughs> resistance, they might not like that word, and so I can, you know, I can, I can say someone like, you know, William Shakespeare, for instance, that classic, to be or not to be, right. that is the question, right? Like, yeah. to be or not to be. It's not like, let me half be or let me sort of be. Like, you're either it or you're not. You know, 90, you know 99% is not 100. So, really, some people would say that if you're even at 99%, you're actually not it. Yep. And that's that's the hard thing to get, yeah. to be or not to be, to be love or not to be loved. That's the question. And you can feel it in your being. You can feel the difference of that full-on 100% I'm committed to love presence and the 99% or that, well, not this time. You can totally feel the difference. Yeah, because really what that it's usually, if it, when you're saying I'm 99%, it's actually that 1% that you're feeling. It's really what you're feeling is that 1% of resistance, yeah. which is actually 100% resistance. Yeah. You're just not really admitting that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating, you know, constant inquiry that uh, I am grateful that um, we get to go on this journey together. Mm, me too. Me too. A really great question came up from uh, another guest, and 
one of the questions that he poses is, are you loving fully right now? If not, why not? And again, mm-hmm. it's that return. Are you fully <laughs> loving? Are you fully being loved right now? If not, why not? What excuse are you putting up? What resistance yeah. are you allowing? So, ah, perfect. <laughs> John, thank you so much again for for an incredible journey. Um, yeah. I like yeah. it. It doesn't matter. It resonates for me. <laughs> thank, yeah, you. thank you. You're welcome. Namaste. Namaste. And that's our show for today, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Be Love Radio. And stay tuned for more conversations, more dialogues, more shows on the power within you to embody and be in the state of love, in the presence of love always. Thank <laughs> you.